you just give him an endurance this morning more than ever before, God, because he's been going and going since he got back on Thursday from Nigeria, God. And, and so I know I know he's a little tired, but I also know that he's so excited to speak your truth and speak your word, God. And so he will do it, God. And so I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you anoint his, his lips, God, to be used for your glory, to be used for your love, God, to be used for rebuke and love, God, to be used for correction and to pierce through the atmosphere in a way that only you can, Father. Lord, take over his mouth as I know he's in agreement. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. <laughs> if you see me laughing, it's because you, you should see me when I'm shaking really bad, like I'm shaking this morning. You should see me try to hook in my microphone. It's like, doesn't work so, so well there, but, uh, but it must mean something that the Lord is so heavy on me. I got back uh, this past Thursday from Nigeria, and I really want to welcome our Nigerian team on live with us. So thankful that they are there, and, and I understand Beth texted me just a few moments ago and said that uh, Andrew and Comfort are with them. So hello, Andrew. Hello, Comfort. It is good to know that you made it back safely. Andrew, when I left, he also left that same morning and he went up to Katsina, which is way up north. A very dangerous place. It's where uh, Boko Haram operates. And so we were praying for him. Many of you were praying for him and his safety. And so I'm, I'm thankful that he is back and he is safe. And... Uh, uh, the rest of the team in there, there as well, welcome, and I already miss you, was there just days ago, and it was really cool being able to watch online from over there, because as, as those of you here know, we've been working on the sound so much, because before, uh, you couldn't really do the worship online very well because it was just terrible. <laughs> did not did not come through the lines very well at all. So we've been working on that, made investment in that, and wow, when I was there Sunday it was so much better. It was just it was awesome. And and so I'm I'm trusting that that's what they're experiencing this morning as well. Um and God is doing a great work there. I'll just give a, a quick report card on things that he's doing. He is moving in tremendous ways. Very different than the first time we were there, right? We were there and then got stuck back here because of COVID. And then we are back there again with boots on the ground. And this time is very different. The first time was really getting used to a culture, getting used to a calling with extremely limited resources, 
<laughs> to do it on, right? We, when the Lord told us to go, we, we didn't pull out the planning book and say, okay, well, let's figure out when we can actually go then. You know, we'll, we'll figure out how much money we need, what we need to do, what we're going to need when we get there. None of that came into play. Lord said, go. So we went. And he provided every little bit. It, it really, I won't take time now, but, but a really extraordinary story. Really extraordinary. Well, this, this time is different. Because now that we are there, we have the buildup that we had before, but we also have resources that God has provided for what we're doing from extraordinary places. From people that we don't know. From people that only know the work and have only heard from God to give. That in and of itself is a miraculous story. And we're not talking just small amounts. We're talking large amounts. And the Lord has been so faithful and so good. And so many things He's allowing us to do in the neighborhood there. And getting to meet some of the neighborhood leaders. We live in... Our compound is in one of the poorest parts of McCurdy, which is the capital city of the state in which we are there. And it is predominantly a Muslim community. It has both, but, but a Muslim community. And the Lord has opened doors for us to, to make relationship and, and friendships there that I don't think could have been opened any other way. It's really, really been extraordinary. So, so I am thankful that that team is with us. I'm thankful that even with technology how it is today, it is going to be increasing. We continue to invest into this, this, uh, this program, this plan to have that communication, even though they're thousands and thousands of miles away, I think 7,000 miles or whatever it is, we can be together like this via this technology. So I'm, I'm just so thankful. We also find ourselves at... An interesting week. Now, if you've known me, those of you who've known me for a long time, you know that just because today is Palm Sunday doesn't mean we're going to have a Palm Sunday message. Next week being Easter does not mean we will have an Easter message. <laughs> doesn't work that way with me. I don't plan that. It is simply that God will speak through me what He desires to speak through me. But I find this morning to be extraordinary because of what Palm Sunday doesn't, not, not what it represents to us, but what it represented to the Jewish mind, the typical Jewish mind. It, it was the triumphal entry, right? It was where Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. They're laying down the palm branches. They're calling him king of kings. Why? Because that's what they expected. They expected him to conquer. They expected him to take over. They expected to be able to, to thumb their nose at those who had literally put them into bondage for so long, the Romans. But he didn't do that. In fact, because he didn't do that, they crucified him. He can't be the Messiah because the Messiah would come and he would make us free. He said, all the prophets said that he would make us free. 
But see, their mind frame, their lens in which they looked through was a physical lens. It was truly a blind lens. When you see only what is in front of you, you are looking through a blind lens. That's dangerous. It was dangerous for them. It's dangerous for us. It's dangerous for the bride. That's what the bride's been looking through up and down for some 2,000 years. It's time to stop. It's time to see the reality for what it is. It's time to look through the lens of God's perspective and not our own. Because that's when you'll see the real difference. That's when you'll see the real change. And I find it interesting that this is Palm Sunday where he was supposed to come in victory. And some 2,000 years later, we expect it now. Not through a physical lens. If you, if you look at this country, if you look at this world right now, through a physical lens, you're going to be as discouraged as they were 2,000 years ago. But if you see the real reality for what it is, you're not going to be discouraged. You're going to be encouraged. Because, see, Jesus did promise to come as a victor. He did promise to take over as our king. He didn't just promise this to Israel, which will happen, by the way. It will happen for the thousand-year reign where he will come and physically rule Israel or through Israel, rule the world. That will happen. This doesn't replace that. This literally enhances that. This literally foreshadows what He will do because He will come and operate through His bride and bring victory to this world. The turmoil this world is in right now, first of all, it's going to get worse. We've talked about that. It's going to get a lot worse. But it has to. Because the lines that come to divide are the very thing that Jesus said, I bring a sword to divide. Because the only way you can have unity, the only way you can have unification is through division. See, you divide off the parts that are not there. That are there to pull down that are there to break the division. Jesus talked about it in the letters to the churches when He said, I will spit out the lukewarm. That's the division. That's not the difference of saved versus unsaved. That's lukewarm within the saved. That's within the people who know Jesus Christ as Savior, but then stopped at that point, gave Him nothing else in their life. We are at a time where all this will come to pass. It's not another 2,000 years in the future. I've got news for you. It's not even another 20 years in the future. We are upon that time. We are upon that time when His Spirit will fall in such power that the world will see that He loves His church. 
You know, yesterday at the gifts meeting, uh, I was talking with Judy, and she told me, oh, there was this, this word, this prophecy that was given almost 40 years ago, and you just got to see it. You just got to see it. And I said, okay, awesome, give it to me. Oh, well, I don't have it. I got to go home and look for it. I said, man, do that. Now, she told me it was from Kenneth Hagin. I neither endorse, no, I don't endorse or not endorse him. I, to be honest with you, I have no idea who he is. Now, many of you may know who he is. I have no idea. And it doesn't matter. Because when she sent me the word, the Holy Spirit who is in me resonated with that word, and you're going to understand when I read it to you. This may not make sense to anybody else. This may not make sense to those that will watch this later from other places. This is going to make sense to ignition. When I read it, it made me tremble. Not in fear, but in eagerness. It, it broke me because of God's timing. It's perfect. You know, this word was almost 40 years ago when it was given originally. The word was given, in fact, at a time, I'll just relate it to myself, where I was going through one of the worst things I've ever gone through in my life. Now, back then, I didn't believe in <laughs> prophetic word. I didn't believe in any of the gifts. So it would have done me no good to get that word to me somehow. Because I wasn't there. God needed to take me through the wilderness so I would learn who He is. Trust Him for who He is. But see, the word got out there. It wasn't for the sake of the bride. It was for the sake of the enemy. That was the Lord telling the enemy... This is coming. This is coming. See, do you understand? That's what Jesus did when He went to the grave for three days. He didn't burn in hell. Shame on you if you believe that. He did not go and pay a price with the separation because of our sin and literally burn in a lake of fire. He didn't do that. Read, it says, Peter tells us that he went down there and literally preached to the angels out of Genesis 6. Now, okay, I thought about this and talked to the Lord about this because when I think of preaching, I think of, you know, you're trying to get someone to be encouraged or tell them about Christ, lead them to the Lord or anything else. Well, guess what? Angels are non-redeemable. They made their choice one way or the other. They live with that choice. They cannot, through forgiveness, receive a different outcome. If you don't believe me, read the book of Hebrews. It lays it all out there. That's why we're, we're unique. Because we were born with this redemptive aspect to us. We are redeemable. Literally, what Jesus did in going down there for that three days is he told the enemy what was coming. He told the enemy about the enemy's loss. 
I think he enjoyed it. I would. I mean, can you imagine that? That's what I believe was happening with this word. Is Jesus is putting it out there that it may have been 2,000 years since the church began. But Satan, don't you think for a second that it's going to be status quo for much longer? Because it's not. Because my bride will rise up. A remnant will rise that literally give me their mouths. Give me their hands. Give me their feet to where they keep no control themselves. But all control is given over to the Lord. And he was just telling them that. Now what Judy could not have known when she told me, she, she's reading this and she said, I, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just looking at this and I'm saying, this is ignition. What she couldn't have known is all the things over the last few years that the Lord has spoken to us personally. Spoken to us for what He is doing and what He is about to do. See, from the outside looking in, you can't tell that. We're just a small house church in a living room. I mean, we have cool lights and everything now. That's awesome. What threat can a little house church be? Well, I think Jesus was telling the enemy just what kind of threat it was. Let me read this to you. This word was given April 28, 1983. <laughs> I know 80% of you were like, wow, that was like 20 years before I was born. <laughs> okay. Okay. I won't even make a joke about that. <laughs> in this move, in this move, in this move that is about to come, and even you're on the edge of it right now, it will not be altogether something new that you've never seen. I'll, it'll be a combination of everything you've seen, put together, and then, plus a little bit more. In this move of God, and clearly in whatever he was preaching, he was preaching about a move of God that was, that was coming. In this move of God that is just about to spring upon you, there will be a manifestation of casting out demons that you haven't seen yet. Now some have drawn back from casting out demons. And the Spirit of God said, I began a move along that line a few years ago, and men aborted the move. They mixed some of their own thinking in on it, and they tried to control it, and do it according to pattern, and according to the way that we think it ought to be done. But you haven't seen anything yet of what you're going to see in dealing with demons. For demons are let loose upon the earth. They're going about as never before because they know their time is short. And so in this multiplication, this advance of demon activity, there will be the activity of the Holy Ghost. 
demons that have harassed men, demons that have demons that have harassed men, held ministries in check, will leave. And you have seen yet what you will see in the area of dealing with demons, casting out demons, exercising authority over demons. And we're about to step into it like you'd step through a door into another room. And secondly, saith the Spirit of God, you have not seen the revival of divine healing that you're about to see. Oh yes, you saw those that I raised up. You've seen men and women mightily used of my Spirit. I sent them forth as a pilot program to try to train you. But many just looked at them and lifted them up. And some of them were lifted up in pride, and the anointing left them. And some became money-minded and lost the anointing. But there will arise a group in this day that's a brand new breed. They will not be greedy of filthy lucre. They'll not be wanting to attract attention unto themselves. They would care less whether God uses me. They'd rather God would use you. And God will not just use ministers. He'll use laymen. And there will be a revival of divine healing such as has not been seen in your lifetime or even read about or heard about, saith the Lord. And a revival of supernatural, not only the supernatural in casting out devils, not only the supernatural in healing the sick, not only the supernatural in speaking with other tongues, but the supernatural in the realm of the seen realm. Men will see the glory of God. A cloud will hang over certain congregations. Even the church building for days at a time. And everybody that passes by, sinner and saint alike, will say, well, what in the world is that? I've never seen anything like that. And there will be in other places the fire of the Spirit. Oh, yes. In the spirit realm, some of us have seen it. In the spirit realm, we've been conscious of the fire of God. But the fire will actually come into manifestation. And there'll be people, sinners as well as saints, that will see fire all over the heads of the people. There will be people driving down the street or down the highway. And they'll see fire on top of the buildings. And they'll come and say, what does this all mean? But you see, the Lord will use signs of His presence to bring people in the last days into the fullness of His Spirit and into full salvation. And signs, signs, what kind of signs? Miraculous things in the realm of the Spirit. And then they'll be manifested in the realm of the physical. And the glory of God will fall. And the power of God will be in manifestation. And men will... And women, too, will even be transported like Philip was and found in another place. And great, great 
great shall be the reward, reward thereof. For the Lord God is the same God today as He was yesterday. His power is not diminished. And His name is still the same. Today He can make the iron axe head to float. Today He can divide the river just for two men to cross over to the other side. Today He can feed 5,000 with a little boy's lunch. He is the miracle-working God. Brag on Him. Lift Him up. Draw attention unto Him. Tell about how great He is. Get up in faith and tell what great things He's going to do. And He'll move and keep His Word with you. And many shall be astonished. But the greatest miracle of all that there'll be so many fish caught in the net that the nets can't even hold them. There won't be church houses enough to hold the people. For the purpose of it all is that you may be fishers of men. Hallelujah. Quit fishing. Quit fishing in your bathtub. There's not any fish in your own bathtub. Get out where the fish are and throw out the net. Not the hook. The net. And pull it in. And bring them in. And the glory of the Lord shall shine. And the end time shall come. And you shall stand in the place of ministry that you've not stood in before. And will stand in the place that's been ordained for you from the foundation of the earth. And if it were to be, if it could, if it could, if it could be told to you, if we were able to tell you in human language that which will transpire in some of your lives, your mind would not be able to comprehend it. It would almost blow your mind but you will see it. You'll rejoice in it. You'll be glad of it. It's just out there a little ways in front of you. Be faithful. Be joyous. And rejoice in the Lord always and He'll bring it to pass. Many shall go and tell the story in His great glory show. The power of God in manifestation shall be the gifts of the Spirit. The manifestation of His Spirit. Into full potential shall come the ministry gifts. The apostle and prophet. The evangelist and pastor and teacher too. Shall all flow as one. Ha 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 ha. One body. In one spirit shall go forth to conquer and to do his deeds. And great shall be the reward thereof. Thank him. Glory to God. Now let me give you a further word of wisdom and advice. Be conscious of a mighty move in your spirit. Wanting and desiring to do the will of God. But don't. Try to do it yourself. 
Just learn to relax and to flow with the Spirit. Don't try to figure it out in your head. What does He want me to do? Just learn to relax and flow with the Spirit. It'll take care of itself. You don't have to worry. You see, moving into that place of ministry or whatever it is, whether it's full-time ministry or pulpit ministry or personal ministry or whatever your place is in the body of Christ, moving into that place is fueled by prayer. Fired by the Spirit and ignited with His glory. But you see, if there's no fuel there, there's nothing to ignite. You see, it's like a furnace. There's a pilot light there that fires one thing. And then when the whole thing has become ignited, then the heat flows out. Can you see what he's saying? Fueled by prayer. Fired by the Spirit. Ignited with His glory. Hallelujah! You see, if there's no fuel there, there's nothing to fire. If there's no fuel, there's nothing to fire. Fueled by prayer. Hallelujah. I declare this word is truth. It will come to pass. God is doing this work. He is doing it because of love. He is doing it because of His own glory. See, that's why it can't be about our glory. It can't be about our control, our programs. I've been in church leadership most of my life. I can program the heck out of a service. I know how to build emotion. I led worship for 15 years. I know how at the right time we want to have this crescendo and, and come in with a baseline in the back end because it just builds the emotion right there. Shame on me. Shame on me. Forever thinking that I would take control of what was always the Holy Spirit's to control. Shame on churches that do that very thing. Now I will say that I did it with a heart of hope. And I would say so did the others. I used to go to seminars every year to learn how to do that. <laughs> the heart was there because we just wanted people to know Jesus. We just wanted them to know the power of His love. The problem is, we didn't understand the Spirit realm. We didn't understand the power of the Holy Spirit at work through a life that says yes, not allowing any boundaries to form. See, I didn't know because I didn't even believe it. And, and you know my... You know my story, you know my, over the last eight, nine years. I went through a change. 
that change had to come because He had to teach me about the real reality. We talk about it all the time. The real reality is not the walls around us. It's not what we can see. The real reality is far greater than that. In fact, let's... Paul talks about it in Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians. I believe it's chapter 3. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Chapter 3, verse 14. Let's start there. Have I been preaching for 20 minutes? Seriously? 30 minutes? Good night. Feels like I just got up here. (laughs) Buckle your seatbelts. Sorry. Okay. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. You know what? Let's back up. What reason is he talking about? Let's go to the beginning of the chapter. Let's start at verse 3. This is where Paul introduces this mystery that we call the church. Verse 3. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation... As I have written briefly, when you read this, you could perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in the generations as it has been revealed to His holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the Gospel. Just a little side note there. The mystery literally is the church. Right? And if, if you want to know more about that, a few weeks ago we talked about that. You can look it up. Of this gospel, wait, is that where I am? Yeah, Christ Jesus through the gospel. Verse 7. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all of the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for all ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, okay, that's the mystery, through the church, what God is doing in the church, right? So through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Okay, you know what? Hold on. Forgive me. Let me I just want to look up something. Sorry that I kind of have to do this on the fly, but that's life. It would be a lot easier if I wouldn't shake so bad. Okay. I was just looking up the Greek word there for manifold. It basically 
means a large variety, a huge amount. Doesn't mean all, right? Doesn't doesn't mean that God gave everything that He had in His brain and now we have access to all of it. If that were the case, then eternity might be a little boring. But see, God's vastness never ends. But he said, the manifold, this huge wisdom of God might be made known to all mankind. Is that what it said? No, it's not what it said, is it? Might be known to the rulers and authorities in where? The heavenly places. It's the very thing that Jesus did when he was in the grave for three days. He went down and he made known. He made known to those angels that specifically sinned out of Genesis 6. He made known, you've lost. You have lost. This is what's coming. It is already done. It is finished. I have died. The Holy Spirit will raise me from the dead. It is over. There's nothing you can do. Sit on that one for a while. And they've been sitting on it for 2,000 years. But guess what? The rest of it was up to us. The rest of it is up to the church. That the church make known the manifold wisdom of God. Not to people, but to the realm that hates Him. Do you know, in a person's heart, a person even that doesn't know the Lord, in their heart, there is a place in their heart created in them that needs Him. Now, I'm not talking about Nephilim like you see in Genesis 6. That would be an exception. Because that's not the seed of God. But for each person who does not know Him, whether they accept Him or not, there is a hole inside their heart that can only be filled by God. That's why we have evangelism. That's why we reach out to people to know Jesus Christ. But do you know there is another side to this? There is an enemy that fights that that we don't see. And for years, 2,000 years, <laughs> the church has been blind to that warfare. Alexis, she, she's told her her testimony many times about growing up and, and you just don't use the D word. If she heard the D word, she would walk out of the room. Because we don't talk about that. What D word am I talking about? Demons. Demons. You don't talk about them because if we talk about them, then somehow we're going to get their attention, I suppose. <laughs> Got news for you. They know who you are. They can either laugh at you, or they could be afraid of you. It just depends how much you look like Christ. See, because they're not afraid of you, but they're afraid of Christ in you. Believe me. They're terrified of Christ in you. So the manifold... Wisdom of God is to be spoken through the church. It says, verse 10, through the church. The manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities and heavenly places. By the way, one last thing here. I didn't even mean to stick on this for too long. But, 
This doesn't happen by telling them. Christ already did that. This happens by showing them. See, I could sit there and talk all I want to you know, the demonic realm or whatever about how God's going to get them. God's going to get them. God's going to get them. You're going to have to get out of here because God's going to come get you. I can do that all I want and the demonic will just sit there and laugh. Because, see, the demonic knows something that most Christians don't. The demonic knows that God will never do that directly. Because it erases choice. He uses people. He uses people that begin to understand who they are in Christ. That begin to understand their authority in walking in His purity. See, so I don't have to tell them. I'm commanded to show them. You don't have to go looking for them. Trust me on this one. You don't have to go looking for them. Because the more Christ shines in your life, the more you are a spokesman for Him, they will come after you. Trust me on that. Don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of that. If you could see a scale of the difference in authority between God and Satan, you'd laugh. There's no comparison. And, and if you see a comparison of the authority of a person, a Christian, and Satan, then it would simply depend on how much Jesus Christ is in that person. How much that person allows themselves to manifest the Holy Spirit. To give up their own control so that the Holy Spirit can control. But I'll tell you what. The enemy's afraid. I feel it. I know it. I see it. I was, I was asked this morning just about my trip, and I had commented that this was the smoothest trip to Nigeria in, five, what, five years or whatever it's been that I've been going. Literally, I think I've been there over 20 times, 20 different trips. This is the first time where nothing came against me. I mean, literally nothing. And because of my body clock as I'm laying there at 2.30 in the morning, wide awake, (laughs) I'm talking to God about this. Talking to God about what's going on. I said, give me a sense of what's going on. I, I mean, not that I want something to come against me, but this is just really weird. I've not had this happen before. And all he told me was, Satan's afraid. He's afraid. And he allowed me to feel his fear. He's afraid, guys. He's afraid, not of us, but of our yes. He's afraid of Jesus. He's afraid because of those three days that Jesus went down telling, all this is coming. You watch. He's afraid because he knows it's true. And he now knows the time is now. 
trust him. Boy, I kind of went off a little bit on that, didn't I? Didn't mean to. I really want to get down to verse 14, <laughs> but we'll get there. This is this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. Verse 14, back, finally, full circle. Here we go. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. What reason? For the fact that he has been called to bring out this mystery of what the church is going to show the spirit realm. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. What does that inner being mean? If you look up the Greek on that, that inner being means basically your heart. Who you are at your core. We have access to this Holy Spirit that strengthens us in our core of who we are. Verse 17, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you be rooted, or that you being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. By the way, that word saints there, if you look up the Greek in that, it's not talking about all the Catholic people that they have posters of. Okay? It's talking about those entities in heaven. It's talking about spirits. It's talking about those that walk in purity before the Lord. Understand what it's saying here. It's really important. Again, verse 18, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, all the saints that already comprehend this, those that are in the spirit realm, that are in heaven, those angels that walk with the Lord, they already know this. Why? Because they're part of it. They're in that realm. They're in that realm. They're outside of the three dimensions and time that we walk in, that we're encumbered by. So again, be grounded, rooted and grounded in love so that you may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Why do I believe that this has something more to do with what we could see? First of all, we've laid out a few reasons why already. But see, Paul lays out another reason right there. Did you notice what he talked about? He talked about four dimensions. He didn't talk about three. Technically, we, we are encumbered by four. Height, width, length, and time. Right? The human experience, if you will, as we know it in the flesh, is encumbered by those four dimensions. But yet Paul listed another one. It's 
really interesting to study the Greek on this because you've got your height, width, and length. But then he throws something in there that the ESV says is breadth. It's basically depth. The depth of something else. He threw in there because there was something more. Now, I'm not going to go, we'd be here for hours if I start to go down this rabbit hole, but I want you to understand that we, we are not, we may be encumbered by three dimensions plus time. God is not. Right? God is not. God, there, there are at least ten. At least ten dimensions, by the way, that scientists have been able to, well, prove is a strong word, but it, it's, it's, it's from a reflective proof, if that makes sense. Again, I'm not going to go into the science of this. But, but understand, all they had to do was read the Word of God. The Word, ta- the Word of God talks about ten strings, talks about the, the universe being made up of ten strings, that strings being these, these planes that the heavenly bodies walk in. That's why you can't see what's around us. If, if, if like Elisha's scribe, if he could say to his scribe, open his eyes, Lord, let him see what's around us. If we could do that right now, and just say, Lord, open our eyes to see what's around us right now, we would see very different than we see right here and right now. We would not just see these walls. We would see planes of things that we can't see in the three dimensions. We would see angels. We would see the demonic. We would see things that right now we cannot see being there. So what Paul is talking about here is this relationship with Christ, growing with Him, is for the purpose of understanding that realm. Why do we need to understand that realm? See, that's what I grew up believing. Why why in the world would I need to understand a demon? I just believe in Jesus. I'm going to heaven. My course is set. Amen. And that's true, by the way. Problem is, what if God wants me to fight them? (laughs) Which He does. If I do not understand that realm and able to operate in that realm, how in the world am I going to be able to come against that realm? I am not speaking of this prophetically. I am not speaking of this because I think that's what the Word of God says. I'm standing here, which by the way, both of those are true. I'm speaking to you from experience. I'm speaking to you because this has happened. It continues to happen. Not just to me, but to the majority here in Ignition. See, the bride is supposed to learn this. Because God wants to defeat the enemy through His bride. That's what a ready bride is. Not a bride that just is so sad and so lame that you got to go lift them up just 
I don't know about you, that would be sad to me. If, if, if all Alexis did was, was weep every day and just kind of be on her face and cry and not do anything, and I mean, we're married, so we'd stay married. You know, even worse, let's flip that around. If I were that way, you know what? I think I would have more mercy than she would. I think if I did that, yeah, she's nodding her head, yes. Yeah, I don't think it'd be good. So why is it good for Jesus? Why do we think that he doesn't deserve a bride that'll fight for him? Oh my goodness. Of course I'll fight for him. Of course I'll fight for him because he has put us in that place to fight. We have to. Look around. Look around in this country. And by the way, get excited. Get excited. Don't, don't be depressed. Don't be depressed because of our fake president and everything that he is doing. Don't be depressed about that. The enemy is showing his hand. The enemy is falling into the very trap that Jesus has set. This is not a political thing. This is not about a certain person being some savior of this country. Guess who is the savior of this country? Jesus. And it's what the Holy Spirit will do through His bride that does this. Because I'm telling you what, Jesus is coming in victory this time. In victory. He will, Romans 11.11, He will bring Israel to the point of jealousy. Because Israel will see what He does through His bride. Because it's happening. This is not years from now. We are in the second woe. And I, I know if you want to look that up, I don't know, go six months back or whatever, you could look it up. There are messages on that. But we are a little less than three years left in this woe. What comes in the next three years to those who are not ready, to those who cannot see in the spirit realm, and I don't mean that Everybody has to have the gift of sight, the gift of discerning of spirits where you can see everything. I don't. I don't have that gift. I wish I did. Because then if I saw where one was, I'd go after it. But the Lord tells me, that's what I'm talking about, is an awareness. I may not see it, but when the Lord tells me there is something on somebody, or that there is something over there, or... Or times that he has opened my eyes where I've literally seen a snake crawl across the floor. It's for the purpose of going after it. Not for the purpose of fear. Trust me. With Christ in you, they are the ones that are afraid. Now it also doesn't mean that you go after something when you're not told to. You know, you, you don't just, oh, well I have Christ in me and Satan's already defeated. I'm going after I'll just go after him because then everything else will fall. Yeah, good luck with that. It's not going to work, work out so well for you unless the Lord tells you to. If the Lord tells you to, then you have to. He is bringing his bride to the understanding of this realm so that the, the 
forces that come against him and his bride will be pushed back. We are entering a phase of taking land. I don't know when because I'll tell you, everything that was said in that prophecy almost 40 years ago has been promised to us directly. Promise not 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 just that we're pulling some verse out and applying it to ourselves. It was promised to us. It was words spoken over us directly long before I ever knew even that it was possible. Right? Even understood it in the Word of God. I remember many times at the beginning where a word would be given to me of somebody. They didn't know me. I didn't know them. And, you know, the first time that happened, it's kind of like, you know, there are drugs for that. But then I start to realize, wait a second. Lord, you're saying that to me. Okay, if, if that is really you, prove it out in your word. Everything goes back to his word. Why? Because these 66 books by over 40 authors, that is the culmination of his character. Now, can I go here somewhere and see, okay, yeah, Greg Twiddell will blah, 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 blah. No, I can't. None of us can. Unless I use my first name. My first name's Paul. No. See, we can't do that. But we can receive a word. Why? Because He is God-breathed. His word is God-breathed. It is alive. It was not alive once. It's alive now. His word can speak to us directly because it is alive. And I can always go back to His word and see the, the framework of His character and see where that fits. Lord, show me. Show me where that fits. First time he told me that, that I would move like that. I mean, now, I don't even have a name for it. If you hear me talking about it, we call it spirit travel. But it's not really spirit travel. Because see, when Philip was taken from one point to another, it wasn't just his spirit. It was his physical body. How cool is that? That's like really good gas mileage. Right? But yet, the Lord told me that would happen. He told me that would happen to me. He told me that would happen to people in ignition long before I understood it. Lord, show me in Your Word where that has happened. He took me to Philip. He took me to John. He took me to Paul. He took me to Elijah. And I'm like, oh wow. (laughs) This isn't new. You've been doing this for thousands of years. Yeah. Thanks for catching up. (laughs) See, God doesn't have a limit. He doesn't have a limit. Why do we limit Him? These things are going to happen. Why? There's a reason for it. First of all, it's always for His glory. But there's always a manifested reason. Now, I can tell you one of the reasons for me in particular in this is because he's given he's shown me visions of being placed in places where I will not be welcome before a crowd that would have no interest in me being there and I'm to deliver a word hopefully he'll take me out of there before 
<laughs> before they can get, get to the stage, maybe. I don't know. But that's a reason. Think about it. He did it with Jesus. All of a sudden, Jesus is doing these miracles, and, and they literally came in on him. And then it says he passed right through them. How do you think he did that? Uh, excuse me, excuse me. Maybe he had some big bodyguards. No. No, he was taken into those other realms and just passed right through. Just passed right through. Why do we think that he will not do that with us? Of course he will. In fact, Jesus' life was to show us the possibilities. Not for our own gain. Shame on the ministry that would use it for their own gain. It's not for our gain. It's not for my gain. It's for His gain. In fact, just so you know my heart, I would rather Him just take over my body and me not even be there. As long as maybe He let me sit in heaven while it was going on or something. How cool would that be? You know, I've asked him, I want to pet one of those white lions. I've asked him that. Because they're in the ready room, and there have been times I've been in the ready room, and I don't get to see them, but they've been explained to me, and I said, seriously, I, I want to pet one of those. He said I would. I don't know when. I hope I get to see it when I actually do. That would be very cool. Is that God? Is he calling me? Hello, Lord. <laughs> so just trust what he's doing. Just trust what he's doing. Don't be afraid of the training. Don't be afraid of the testing. Step forward in what he's doing. Trust him. And in that, if, if we won't go on, but in that, it then goes to talk about unity. And that's the real power. It's not, it, it, you could pray all day that the Lord falls on me in His power and then the world gets changed through that. Guess what? Not going to happen. Because it's in the unity of His bride that His manifest power will make all the difference in the world. Here at Ignition, we have gone through many phases of warfare, very, very heavy warfare. And those of you know, we've, we've entered a new phase of that warfare. It is a very physical phase. It's a very hard phase. It's a brutal phase. But it's a necessary phase because it's teaching us that it can't be about individuals. See, in this phase, the only way to fight is unity is together. We have to be unified for the sake of the bride. There will be a remnant. There's a remnant all over the world right now that is literally waiting for God to bring them together. They're passionately in love with Him. But yet, they may not know the direction of what God is doing. They might or might not. Because, see, God has 
specific callings for specific people, for specific groups. We all play a part. It's important that we step into our part. Because if we don't, the cost is too great. That is our responsibility. Alexis, come on up. Um, one comment I want to make, and then we're going to close in prayer this morning, but the, the famous verse, Ephesians 6.12, that we all know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against the human realm, but against principalities and powers and evil rulers and different authorities. Um, the Lord was just reminding me something that Greg said, but that I think has been so lost in the bride. And as we enter into this time of the, the Holy Spirit falling in, in great measure, spiritual warfare typically turns into a, a system or a formula that we can grasp onto. Uh, deliverance sessions end up kind of formulizing a, a lot because there are things that work. And the number of times you say whatever in Jesus' name or I cast you this or that. And one of the things that the Lord is teaching us that is so important to remember is that all dealings in warfare really and truly have to be led by the Holy Spirit. They have to be birthed from true relationship because it does go back to um, the verse that, that I know I've mentioned at the end of the services so many times, Philippians 128, that to not be intimidated by your enemy that is, by the way, going to intimidate you because that's why we wrestle against flesh and blood. It doesn't say, for some of you might wrestle. It, we wrestle not, rather, against flesh and blood, but against all these powers because, like angels are assigned to us, that we know clearly from the word of God, so are demons upon our, upon our birth, upon our, the conception of us, which is why, as early as possible, life tries to end, but or they, uh, Satan tries to end life. But in Philippians 1.28, it says not to be intimidated by your enemy because it will remind them of, of the fact that they will be defeated. And so unless we are showing them by our life and are led of the Holy Spirit in this warfare, you, we will find that we're not ultimately successful. I, I was noticing yesterday in one of the things that I took a picture of from somebody's, um, some prophet's post, they were listing all the major moves of God in the last like 150 years or whatever. Um, and it was interesting that there even was a list of the different moves of God, like revivals. Because the fact that there would have to be a list of separate ones means that some ended. And then another one started. And then this one ended and another one started. And as we've spoken about before, why are they ending? I mean, when you know, can you imagine when the Holy Spirit's flowing and moving and it's contagious and people's lives are being changed and ministries are being birthed? What would make that end? And, and really, the Lord's been showing us it's because the focus on Jesus is the most important, bar none, the most important. But as Paul said, we're not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. And so we do want to deal with 
what comes in with the wisdom, with the discerning of spirits to identify what spirit is at play, but then take the authority given to us over that to remove it. There are too many uh, bodies of believers, churches, that because of not identifying that, or perhaps, and I heard a woman say to me one time, she said that someone was, had entered her Bible study, and it was a new person entering their Bible study, and she sat down and she said, well, I just want to, you know, I'm introducing myself and telling her story. She said, I just want to tell you, if you're going to be, you know, if you're going to be binding and casting demons in this Bible study, she said, I'm not going to have any part of it because that's not in the Bible. And it was interesting. First of all, that was... That statement was interesting, but what was more shocking was that it was accepted in the group as a, oh, well, you know, don't worry about that. You know, we we focus on Jesus. And they just kind of glossed right over it. And I was finding myself in my spirit rising up even with her telling me that, saying, what do you mean that's not in the Bible? You know, but their belief in the Bible is that God can do all things, but I'm at the mercy of God. And yes, that's true. I can only do, Philippians 4.13, I can only do all things through Christ, we know. But no, he has given us, not just the disciples, that's where it's missed, not just the disciples, but also for all those who believe. He's given us authority to trample and tread on snakes and scorpions, the demonic realm. And so why the enemy comes after us with such victory is because we don't know that. Because as Greg pointed out, they do tremble at the Lord. At, you know, I mean, they know God's power. But when they know that we don't know God's power in us, over them, they win. And they win. And they win. And there are so many defeated Christians. So many Christians that can't see. So just understand, it, it, it isn't selective. Yes, it may be. It will be according to calling that you poke certain bears, Okay. You are not to just take your authority out of, boy, I feel good. That cup of coffee, I know the Holy Spirit was in that. I'm just going to go to a coven, tear it up, you know. No, the Holy Spirit has to lead you. But at the same time, you can't shrink back. Because, again, when you get on fire for God, the first tactic of the enemy is to cause something in your life to cause you to, back down, back away, and somehow not be quite so passionate. When you're lit on fire, something is going to try to dim your flame. And it's up to you whether you go, oh, no, you didn't. Stay away from my flame because it's going to burn you up because I know who ignited it. I know my God. I know who my God. That's really what he's looking for is to take a stand. Now, there will be times he'll lead you into certain fights. And, but it has to be really led of the Holy Spirit. And any time you're in a deliverance, it's never following a formula. It's never just saying. Now, do you know, people sometimes in their ignorance, do they just cry out to Jesus? They do. And you know what? Jesus is faithful. He is faithful. He will be there for us. But he does want um, us to be led of the Holy Spirit with, with certain fights. Because um, just like a person, and this is the last thing I'll say, just like a person who may feel gifted in um, discerning of spirits and recognizing a problem and want to confront it. How many of you know that if you confront something not led of the Holy Spirit and that person's heart has not been prepared by God, it can go terribly wrong. Confrontation might make you feel good because you just vomited all over the person. But it isn't going to land. It's going to land as vomit. Whereas when it's 
Holy Spirit led, there's a whole divine preparation at play that takes the word in you and it goes into soil that's been prepared by the Holy Spirit to receive the word for them. So everything has to be birthed out of relationship. And that's, I think, what's been missed by these moves of God is that, yes, there's been great focus on the awesomeness and certainly on the signs and wonders, but that is not enough because we know that from how the, the biggest example is how the, the um, children of Israel saw the counterfeit power over the first many plagues. They saw demon power all around them in their Egyptian world in bondage. They saw spiritism everywhere. False gods worshipped false prophets that had power. And they needed to know the difference. And so there will be many, as Scripture says, we were, I was just reading this yesterday in the in, um, book of Mark, it's other places too. There will be many, many who will have power because they are, they are going to be empowered demonically. Well, how do you know the difference? How do you discern the difference? Obviously, purity and personal relationship with Jesus, but God's power is so much greater. And it, it will be divided by who's who is walking in purity and who's walking led of the Holy Spirit, he will be the one to vindicate his people by his power. Moses just did what he was told. And God said, I will show them who I am. You just submit to me. You don't have to do something radical and crazy to try to, you know, fight in your flesh. I will show you who I am to these and show the people who I am. So um, such an important, important word. Um, but as Greg said so many times, man, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Um, I've seen too many people catch on fire, and then the first first intimidating circumstance in their life, they they shrink back or decide, I don't know that, and they might not even consciously recognize it as an attack. They just, all of a sudden, they've got a straight pathway to serving the Lord, and then suddenly all these circumstances, and the, the deception kicks in. They don't even recognize um did you know that those circumstances came at a pretty timely time? Like everything, well, yeah, but I didn't know this was going to happen. I mean, you know, I just decided to serve the Lord, and I've been waiting for a raise for three years, and my, and, you know, my boss just gave it to me as long as I work on Sundays. Okay, um, you know, maybe just ask the Lord why that's, that's not, <laughs> not a coincidence. That's a strategy to maybe keep you off track or whatever it is, whatever example you want to use. Um, so there will be something that will come against you, but God will make a way. And, um, boy, we serve such a powerful God, and he is doing such great things. And he is doing things in this nation, as Greg said uh, and alluded to, that, um, that are so great. And the answer is, the, is prayer and fighting in the powerful realms in the spirit. Yes, faith without the works to follow is dead. But remember, and I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, works without the faith, without Holy Spirit faith, is also dead. And so even in this climate where everything is politicized, the, the true answers are on our knees before God to fight the powers that are, being, that are at play behind all these forces, behind these things happening, and then a directive from the Holy Spirit as to what works to follow. If you just have a strategy to you know, redo the voting structure and do this and do that and, you know, call all your congressmen and it's not, and, and it's just about the external, it'll fall flat every time. There are too many forces at play. It has to be Holy Spirit driven and empowered and bathed in prayer. And, um, and sadly, sadly, 
um, this deception of separating the church from politics is why those things aren't happening because people are not praying into political things uh, like they should because they have believed that there is a separation. And uh, we know, we know truth is the separation is how about politics, government, get out of the church because the separation, the church, everything is peripheral to God's plan with his bride. Everything else is peripheral. And, and this nation was set on godly principles with uh, many of the founders even ordained in ministry. I mean, this was a Christian nation, the only nation that chose God. So you better believe we've gotten it flipped upside down for many, many, many decades now. And God wants to turn it back. And this is, uh, it's taken this bad of a scene for the wake-up call, though. But be encouraged, because it is a wake-up call. So we may be awake. And so that's why it's hard for us to go through it. But others are being awakened. And I'm amazed at sometimes what it takes to wake people up. It's like, how much worse does it need to get for you to see what is in front of your face? But keep praying for them. Keep praying. Praying for deception to be removed and blinders to be off. Father, thank you, God, so much. Thank you for this powerful word today. Thank you, God, that you are a mighty God. That you, that the weapons of our warfare are not human but they are mighty through Christ Jesus to the tearing down of strongholds in us and in regions, in nations. God, I thank you that we can trust you, that we can seek your face. God, that battles are won on our knees before your throne, before your courts, God, interceding on behalf of people and individuals and people groups and cities and nations, God, and the world. Thank you, God. Let us be people of prayer. Let us understand and recognize the spirit realm realities and to take the authority that you have given, led of you, to come against these things. Because we know that at the very name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we praise you for that. Thank you for what a mighty God that you are. Help us to walk in that confidence. Help us to develop a boldness and a courage just through abiding with you and recognizing who you are, that that length and breadth and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, which surpasses all of our intellect, that we might be filled with the fullness of God. Oh, God, we know that. And even that verse to follow, which I love, Ephesians 3.20, God, I, I declare this now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could dare to even ask or think according to the power that you give working in us. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You are so awesome, so mighty, and we are expectant and eager to see the suddenlies before our human eyes. But by faith, God, we see it now. By faith, we know that you are working and you are about to release your power and your glory to a hurting, broken, and fearful world. So help us to stand strong and to step when you say step with no fear, God. Not because of us, but because of allowing you to take us over. We just pray these things, God, and... I just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.